0: Welcome to the IP2 Podcast. I'm Shay Ashby, and as always, I'm joined by Felix Chung. Today, we are joined by Chris Smith, also known as Smithel, in the online space. Chris is the
1: founder of the Flesh and Common Blood League, which is just kicking off its sixth season. Chris is an active part of the overall fab community online, and is an outspoken fab dad and overall advocate for accessible games. He is a competitive player. He's won a skirmish, as well as participating in callings, battled hardens and other such events thank you so much for joining us
2: no thanks for having me i mean it's 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 always a good time to you know get out and talk to folks especially you know other members of the community and, and finally getting able to you know put faces to names is always a plus so appreciate you guys uh bringing me on here
0: not a problem can you give us a little bit of background in your maybe day job gaming history whatever you want to share with us
2: yeah sure so uh in, in terms of day job things, I like got. I mean, I've been, I've been kind of all over the place. Uh, you know, since graduating college. Gosh, uh, well over i don't know what year is it 2023 it's been about a decade put it that way it's <laughs> yes. been a while um so it's one of those things that you know I've, I've done everything from you know working in the metals industry the financial industry did sales currently do pricing uh, in the paint and coatings industry industry uh you know so i mean it, it's it's a little bit of everything i guess you could say marketing is kind of a big umbrella yeah. um background in games uh outside of flesh and blood uh, I've, I've always kind of been a gamer like my entire life you know just you know super nes as a kid n64 all that kind of good stuff i mean i, I long for the golden eye days from n64 <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to come back uh, Do you
1: actually though do you, do you miss oh, like not oh, being able God. to hit anything come on
2: oh I, oh are you talking about you, you mean aiming with the c buttons wasn't the yeah. best thing ever oh, oh no i loved it you're no, one of to, those <laughs> i used to my, my friends used to hate me i used to always love uh proxies and just like putting them on like the underside of doors and things like that when they opened it was a good time uh yes yeah, so, i mean I've, I've i've always done kind of gaming in that respect uh i was an admin for if you ever played heroes of the storm uh which is like kind of blizzards moba yeah uh, i was an admin for the uh nexus gaming series there whenever they started uh, kicking off uh i did that for quite some time did some streaming in that uh you know captain my own team all that kind of good stuff um ran two podcasts one for legends of Runeterra. Uh, Ran a podcast for Valorant as well uh, before kind of, you know, uh, having a family and kids and all that kind of stuff, which took me a little bit away from the podcasting scene. So I mean, I've I've kind of been in and out, you know, uh, various different avenues of gaming, (laughs) you know, including board games, other card games, all that good Mm -hmm. stuff uh, for a good while, if not most of my life. Uh, But, you know, really settling in here for flesh and blood and, and, you know, really digging the community here.
0: Nice. You you kind of mentioned family briefly. You mm-hmm. also seem really busy up until family. How did, you know, starting a family shape your gaming life and your podcasting to where it is today?
2: Yeah, so, I mean, uh, it, it was funny. Whenever we uh, were going to have my first kid, my daughter, uh, I kind of went through this like, like pre-midlife crisis I'll call it of like <laughs> oh my god like I, I want to like I, at that point I never built a PC I was like I really want to build my first PC I want to do all this kind of stuff and so I kind of went all out uh, my wife was very supportive about it I mean <laughs> and she's like look she's like it's, it's fine do what you need to do uh, and so that's kind of what got me like real real deep into it uh, but you know honestly without kind of my wife's support it would have been very very difficult (laughs) to do a lot of the stuff that i did uh you know you know her being able to kind of juggle the kids uh especially like like even nights like tonight like helping get them in bed and all that kind of stuff so i can record and and talk to folks or uh you know go to armory events anything like that uh it certainly is it it's tough but you know you find ways to make it work luckily my kids are getting a little bit older uh so it makes things easier i mean i i they're both kind of in grade school. My son started kindergarten this year. He's our youngest. Okay. Um, and so, I mean, it, it's easier when they're a little bit more self-sufficient and not like, hey, I have to constantly change diapers. I have to do all that kind of stuff. Um, but it, it 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 is a juggle. I mean, anybody that, you know, has a family, a kid, so, you know, even just, you know, part of a family or even yeah. like, you know, in school, they, they get that. It, it's all about kind of work-life balance is the way I kind of call it. But instead of work, it's like, game life balance uh you you know I mean and we were talking briefly before we started recording about kind of just you know balancing that competitiveness side of like okay I got to constantly be in and and you know uh you know keeping up to date with things but then also saying I feel like it's a game I want to have fun I want to do what I need to do uh and enjoy that aspect of it as well so uh you know my my buddy here in Pittsburgh uh Schaefer we, we had him over this weekend and uh we had like a little get together with uh, you know some of our significant others that don't play uh, *Flesh mm-hmm. and Blood*, yeah. uh, but like board games. And he said something that you know I I liked a lot, which was basically like, "Hey, you could be a gamer and enjoy board games as a hobby, but TCGs are kind of like a lifestyle. Like you you really have to dive into them and, and constantly be thinking about them or, or keeping them on the forefront of your mind uh, to make sure you're you're understanding what's going on, even if you don't play." hyper competitively uh you know you you still got to kind of have a good idea of what everybody does just to play uh so it it, it's interesting but it's definitely a balance you know as i'm I'm sure a lot of people are aware of
0: yeah my um my wife has i guess bought into my hobby in flesh and blood and we work our schedules around things like the podcast or armories it's they're kind of set when we're going to do like uh wednesday armory so make sure that she's putting our daughter to bed. And then if I go to a Saturday or Saturday or Sunday armory, I take the kid with me to give her some mm-hmm. space. So, you know, we try to try to work together on making sure that as much as I'm taking my share of the pie to have fun, that she is also to able to get hers whenever she does want it.
2: Yeah, exactly. I mean, and, and what's nice too, at least about the kind of the Pittsburgh scene is we've kind of exploded over the past year or so that, I believe every day of the week there's a potential armory within like an hour of me so even if like you know uh i primarily go to green tree sports cards uh you know as part of like the team and everything that i'm on Mm -hmm. and the past month or two months has just been insane where i can't go to armories consistently but you know there's another one about 20 minutes away from me uh called the face of goblin i started to go there there sunday afternoon so it's like being able to kind of coordinate with the wife, like you said, of saying, Hey, look, you have something going on or Hey, you know, you've been, you know, pulling a lot of the weight. Let me step up. Yeah. Uh, you know, there, there's generally other days you can find ways to make it work, which is nice here.
0: Yeah. So you're on a team. You mentioned, how does, what does the expect, what is the team and what are the expectations for like somebody like you, a dad surrounding that being on part of a team?
2: Yeah. So, uh, so the owner of Green Tree Sports Cards, uh, John, he, you know, when we started to really get into it, like, I, I believe it kind of kicked off of him saying, hey, look, I'm gonna buy jerseys for where go out represent the store, like be a good time. But we all started to get a little bit more competitive about it. And he put an offer out saying, look, you know, I, I'm really interested in kind of really honing in on the team and, and kind of putting our heads together to kind of build decks and determine what we want to do. Uh, but here's the commitments that I'm looking for if somebody is going to be on this team and uh you know some of it was like hey we're having practice like in person two days a week uh and and immediately i messaged him saying like "Oh, john this this sounds like something i'd be interested in i love the idea of it but being full honest here i have two kids i have a wife i and, you know, the store isn't particularly close to me yep. that I said, I can't do an armory and then come out two days a week for in-person practice and things <laughs> like that. Uh, yep. You know, but I'm happy to like kind of sub in or volunteer if people need it. And he said, no, look, he goes, well, you know, I, I also want to do like virtual practices for people that can't make it like okay. uh, Jeffo uh, is on the team. And I don't know if you know him, but he does a lot of like, uh, you know, merch and things like that for like shirt creation, all that kind of good right. stuff. Uh, but he's now he used to be local. He's now like in the middle of Pennsylvania. Uh, so, you know, he's like, look for folks that can't make the in-person frequently or have other commitments, uh, you know, here's the expectation for like running Talishar, or being on for team practices and how many, you know, matches we want you to complete in a week and, and all that kind of stuff. And so I was able to kind of do that and balance that out, which is a plus, And it's a great group of guys and, uh, all that good stuff. So, I mean, it's it's definitely commitment a little bit above i'd say the casual end of things yeah but what i like about it is you know i i always tell the group it's if one of us wins we all kind of win and that as long as there's somebody there getting to top eight you know if i see that mat to me it's it feels good it's like hey look that's that's a proud moment for me Mm -hmm. uh you know certainly it's one of those things that you know while we don't you know do anything wrong or anything like that if like we get to let's say me and a teammate are uh, you know on that bubble for top eight and i already have let's say a nats invite or i already have something like that and they're still looking for it you know generally speaking it's like hey uh, if you want to concede to a teammate or something like that to help them, you know, get greater team representation, yeah. uh, you know, we, we've talked about that and like, you know, having those options. Uh, so it's, it, it's kind of good in just trying to find the way to kind of improve everybody uh, in the local scene, just get better, you know, regardless of if they're not on the team or not, uh, like the competitive team, we say, uh, it's one of those things that, we're just constantly trying to look out and trying to make sure that like, hey, if you're in the Pittsburgh scene and you really want to get into it, we're going to do everything we can to get you up and running in the game and then get you to whatever level of competitiveness that you want to be. Yeah. Uh, so it, it's like I said, John's a great guy. It's a it's a really good thing. He's he's a madman with prizing <laughs> the, the local events and things like that in Pittsburgh. It's it, it's a lot of fun and really, really
0: cool. So, Thanks. Uh, yeah, it, it's it's great. Back about three minutes ago with the start of that question, you you had talked about being part of a team and sharing in the successes of your teammates. Uh, Mm -hmm. That to me kind of spoke a little bit about being sort of like a dad on a different level for those that don't have children and don't really know what it's about. Mm -hmm. Um, Being part of a testing group or a team, if you don't do well, but you see somebody that you've worked with. Mm-hmm. find success whether it's make a it top eight top four or even win win even a local event you get to share in that joy even though you didn't win you feel like you helped you had some part of success in that and that's sort of like a small way of like what it kind of feels like to be a dad or a gamer dad at least for it is for me so mm-hmm. I don't know how you feel about that
2: no it, it, it's it's very similar because um so let's say for example uh, I'm going to use two of our teammates, Tim and Devin. Uh, when we were getting ready for an RTI, they were working on an Azuri list. And it, it was really kind of cool to watch it evolve because they're building this. And it, it was like almost like their baby. And it was like, OK, we want this deck to perform. We're like Devin said, like, hey, look, I'm, I'm going to play it. I'm going to try to do well with it. Uh, but even if I don't do well and somebody else is running it, it's like just throughout my name, like give me credit for helping build the deck and things like that, because like I, I feel proud of what I've created here yeah. um. And, and so that it's very much like you said, like having a kid where it's like, hey, look, I may not be the one hitting the you know little league home run kind of thing, but I've helped my kid develop those skills or I've helped my kid, uh, you know, find that interest and grow and be the best that it's can. it can. It's very similar. I mean, we have people on the team that are pretty well versed in every hero enough to the point that you know if we're building a deck or if we're trying to tech into something or or make something better we know that there's folks in the group that we can call upon to really give insight and granted we're not all you know number one pro tour you know winners or anything like that but i mean it's it's interesting to see just how like kind of like that collective minds uh set could really improve and bring out decks because you know we've all greatly greatly improved even just by saying like, you know, I always tell people like I'm the stepping stone, like use me as practice to get there. You know, yeah. I, I know I'm never going to be the person that can guarantee go to worlds every time, you know, and afford it and all that kind of stuff. So if I can't make it, it's my goal to help somebody improve against the heroes that I know well enough that they can.
0: Nice. Staying with the the family aspect, how have you structured your family and work schedules to allow you to participate in weekly events and larger tournaments and also your online community that you're a part of
2: yeah so when it comes to the online community it's it's a little easier because that's you know uh to me, at least a more structured thing of saying, Hey, there's weeks. And then there's kind of long break periods between, uh, that it gives me time to step away and say, okay, look, uh, let me do some family time. Let me, you know, uh, give them the attention that I need because i may have been a little bit more absent the past five or six weeks, uh, talking to individuals and making sure the league runs smoothly for that season. Uh, So that kind of helps that it's, you know, kind of like an on, you know, on off season. Uh, That's one of the big reasons why I didn't want it to go, you know, every week, 52 weeks a year. Yeah. yeah. Uh, You know, I I said, look, I want to give kind of big chunks and then take breaks, big chunks, take breaks. Also because the people that participate in my league, most of them have, you know, pretty busy outside lives as well. Most of them have families uh, or are married or in school or things like that, that I'm like, this it's a hobby and we all love it and, and we all do. It. But at the end of the day, that's what it is. It's a hobby. Uh, nobody's going to be, you know, a pro based off of how they perform in my commoner league, <laughs> you know? So I yeah. want people to come in have fun, meet the community members, like really get to know them yeah. uh, and, and build those relationships, but then have that off time to maybe say, you know, I, I got a little bit of confidence. I was newer to the game. I played in the commoner league. I'm going to go to an armory or maybe yep. I'm going to do a battle hardened or a calling or something like that uh, because everybody seems nice and, you know, I want to meet the people in person. Uh, mm. So that that's kind of a good deal to me um, in terms of kind of like my work life and things like that and uh, being able to find the time. I, I'm extremely lucky in that I got a pretty stable job that, you know, as long as I, kind of know what's coming up I could plan vacation time around it uh certainly if it's somewhere close uh you know giving the option for my wife and kids to kind of come travel with me is always a plus yep uh you know there was an event earlier this year just out near uh, Columbus Ohio and I said to my wife and kids i said look come with me I said there's a Lego land about like an hour away from the hotel that I want to stay at uh you know you could take the kids there for the day while I'm playing cards and then like we still get to spend that time together on the weekend, which is a plus. So finding ways to kind of incorporate the hobby into your life is is kind of necessary, especially like as you get older and you, you yeah. have those family commitments and other things going on. Uh, that's always kind of huge.
0: With access to like armories every day almost and even online stuff as well as your league. Do you find it like it, you have a comfortable pace that you can play the game at and still do family life when it arises? it doesn't interrupt too much.
2: A hundred percent. Like I said, I mean, it, the, this summer is kind of a great example for that where, you know, my, my wife, she has a very successful career as well. And she travels, you know, normally once a week or so for work that puts me kind of like on solo dad duty where I have to be there for the kids. I have to make yeah. sure that everything's going on. I don't have her support to lean on at that point because uh, she's not here. Uh, but it, it certainly helps uh, in those kind of situations of saying, okay, look, I've been extremely busy with family things, but you know, maybe we don't have something going on this Friday or this Thursday to the point where I can sit there and say, I'm going to step away and make sure that I have me time. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's kind of funny because my wife always jokes saying – she prefers me to go you know once a week or once every other week at least to something Mm -hmm. uh because she's like i can tell whenever you don't because you know you you, like you just get anxious or you get really uptight like you need that moment just to unwind and have fun and kind of reset the stress clock uh and and kind of hang out with the friends so you know it her understanding that the that's what I need for my mental like, uh, health is yep. being able to kind of have that uh, that hobby or that unwind moment uh, certainly helps, you know, not feel like I'm stepping away or I'm, you know, doing something that puts her in a rough position with the kids or, you know, fully relying on her to kind of raise the kids uh, because it's one of those things of saying she looks, she understands. That's what I need. and I understand what she needs. And we kind of, you know, work together on those aspects.
0: Nice. It's really important or that's really good that you were able to recognize something like that, that you can both work towards um, each other, getting their, your time of need because everybody needs their personal me time and whatever facet that is, is different for everybody. Mm -hmm. I spent, oh goodness, 13 years trying to get my wife to find a hobby Mm -hmm. and she finally um, joined an axe throwing league. Oh, cool. And, you know, I, I spent years trying to, encourage her to find something to go do and she could never find the thing that would work for her and her best friend was like i'm gonna go do this axe throwing league what do you think And i'm like go go do it go try and she's like well what if i become better than you i'm like great be better than me at axe Rowing. that's totally fine <laughs> you need your time you need like and i find also like like for my wife in particular so devoted to the family and the child life that that's all they think about mm-hmm. and that also takes a toll on them when they see you know you're out having fun and they're always stuck at home. Sometimes you can get into like a little bit of scrap with your significant, significant other, I guess. And so it's just really nice to hear that. Not only are you getting your work life balance, but you're also finding a way for your wife to have her work life and family life balances. And I find that very important um, mm-hmm. for, for my, my life as well.
2: Yeah. And, and the one thing like, you know, I always tell people and, and I'm trying to learn is like my wife, while well, she loves board games and things like that. Uh, flesh and blood type games like tcgs like hyper competitive tcgs are, are not her thing uh you know she's been nice and entertained me a few times and gone to an armory and all that kind of stuff but like i'll be like hey we're we're doing like wtr draft tonight do you want to come and she goes can i play fi and i go well no he's not in WTR." she goes well then i really don't want to go yeah. like you know, like and i'm like I, i've had to kind of accept that i can't keep pushing it on her and and yep. so your example of like your wife finding axe throwing and that is great because we're currently like in a, at a similar position where she's like, look, I like gardening. I like doing this, but like, uh, you know, we're trying to find a, a group for her to kind of have that armory, like experience with whatever yeah. the hobby is, is, is important. Uh, you know, she did softball uh through college and high school and all that kind of stuff. And so I'm like, look, go find a softball league. And she goes, Oh, but I but I hate slow pitch. I can't hit slow pitch. It has to be fast <laughs> pitch. She was a pitcher, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh so like even now she's she's excited because as our kids are getting older, she's coaching a uh, little league and doing all that kind of good nice. stuff. Uh You know, which is which is good because she's meeting a lot of other people in similar positions. So, yeah, just just finding a way to get out there and making sure that, you know, you're doing what you need and your family has the opportunity to kind of explore their interests uh, and get that free time. And, you know, you taking a step back to make sure you support them as much as you're being supported is certainly uh, huge and important.
0: Yeah.
1: I've been listening to both of you talk about, um, I mean, very passionately about your families and and what you do to. know make it work as gamers uh, to achieve that happiness on a day-to-day week-to-week ongoing basis and this whole time i'm thinking to myself i wish i could bottle up this recording and send it back in time to felix when i was 18 years old when i was 20 when i was 22 i didn't know that having a relationship that was so healthy that was so balanced um, was possible and i I, I guess mm-hmm. my question to both of you, actually, is what advice would you give to people, I, I guess, thinking about myself as a younger man, uh, let's say, around that age, um, because there are some members of our community that you know, are of that age, and maybe they're, they're just thinking about these things uh, for the first time. Like what's some advice that, that, that you would give to them about how to find that sort of happiness that it seems like like both of you have, have achieved?
2: So for me, the, the, and again, understand that everybody's situation's different. I mean, my situation's very different than probably both of yours as well. But for me, the, the one thing that was important and it took, you know, a long, long time to, to kind of uh, get to this point, but was understanding like, Hey, look, I, while people can change, you know, certain aspects of them, you can't expect, you know, their entire being to change, uh, you know, and, and understanding it's it's not about necessarily fighting up battles and trying to say, like, hey, you have to be 100 percent involved in my interest. Like If you don't, you know, you don't love me or, or anything like that. That's different. And it's also important to understand you can't be reliant upon anybody else for your happiness, um, you know, relationship or not. Uh, you can't sit there and say, like, oh, I'm miserable because X and X, you know, did this. Um, that That's that's kind of a problem that I know I struggled with, uh, you know, early on is kind of tying my worth and my value into somebody else. Um, and, and my wife certainly has helped me, you know, overcome a lot of those kind of issues that, you know, whenever we did find her, but the one big thing to me too is, you know, and it's funny when you say, go back to eighteen nineteen, like, you know, it, it kind of say, Hey, look, it's, it's possible is I was in a similar boat where I said, no, it, it's not like I have to give in or, or hide, you know, who I am or hide what it, my interests are. Uh, from people because it's not the cool thing to do or it's not socially acceptable. Uh, And what changed it for me too was, you know, whenever I had kids, the one thing I kind of always regretted growing up was that I was too afraid to, you know, express that I had interest in certain things uh, and hobbies, uh, you know, like card games or like Yu-Gi-Oh or magic or anything like that to the point where I didn't like really play magic uh, or really you know dive into it uh, apart from collecting some Pokemon cards and things like that until I was you know full grown at that point I said well oh god I'm an adult doesn't make sense you know am I too old to get into these kind of things Uh, but when I had kids I said look I don't want my kids to ever be embarrassed or feel like they can't do something because of their age or because of who they are Uh, I think it's important that they see that what I'm doing is what makes me happy regardless of, you know, if their friend's dad does it or if their you know, their mom does it or their uncles do it or anything like that. I want them to know it's okay to, you know, be themselves and have that individual individuality.
0: I echo a lot of Chris's sentiments and what he said. One of the things, obviously communication is, is very important into a relationship, especially when you're younger, it's a lot harder at least I found it a lot harder when I was younger to share with my partner things that may have been embarrassing to what I think is embarrassing and are not actually embarrassing to talk about. Like maybe it's games, maybe it's whatever movies, whatever your hobbies are that your partner might not be into yet. Um, So I do echo some of that, but some of the things that I find very important is that your significant other becomes either a best friend or a really close friend. And for things like that, you usually have some sort of common ground. And if it's board games or movies or sports, whatever it is, that's a great piece of common ground to have with your significant other. But you, at the same time, you also need your own space and time. And it's very important to learn that, um, I think, at some point in your life that you need your space. And even if you're good with your significant other and everything that you do and you guys never fight and the world is perfect, having your own space and them having their own space is also um, really good and refreshing for the the relationship. And it's something that you can then have a conversation about with them where they just get to listen and probably enjoy your interpretation of the situation and imagine it as opposed to being there. Because when you're always there together... You're just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, totally. I understand. But when somebody's not there, you get to share as much about that experience. And hopefully, they're engaged and they listen to you. And it helps strengthen your relationship through more mm-hmm. communication. Well, I find some stuff like that really important. Um, and time. I think Chris said it right at the beginning of his response. Like, it takes time to develop yourself and what you're looking for in a relationship. So, 22-year-old Felix is a different person than 33-year-old Felix and is looking for different things. And, yeah, I just think time and communication and your space and your space together with your partner are some very important things and part of um, having a successful relationship surrounding hobbies and friends and whatever you do. Well oh, said. Thank
1: you both so much. I'm, I'm not sure if uh, relationship advice will be a regular feature on this podcast, <laughs> but uh, if people want that, please let us know. <laughs> well, um, no, thank you so much for, for indulging me. Um, we'll move on to our but next topic. You,
0: oh. Go ahead. Sorry. I was going to say um, we've talked about this before on the podcast is the maturity of the audience that flesh and blood acquires seems to be while also was still acquires young people, but it's acquiring people then in their late 20s, early, late 20s into their 30s and their 40s. And a lot of people are in relationships married with children. And so these topics mm-hmm. are important to some people. And, and hopefully, while you, we're not in a relationship advice podcast, I hope that some of what, you know, maybe Chris and I are doing that are working for us can help translate to some of our listeners if, you know, they're looking for ways to strengthen their relationship or fix, you know, things that might be a little rough, you know, most certainly. Yeah.
1: Thank you so much. So we'll move on to our next topic here, Chris, and you mentioned you're from the Pittsburgh area.
2: I am. Yeah. I'm a, uh, you know, born and raised here in Pittsburgh.
0: It is, uh, Not it's, um, <laughs> Before we go any farther, I just want to say Paul Coffey was my favorite hockey player going up. I'll take it.
2: I'll take it. It's funny anytime we start yeah. talking hockey in Pittsburgh, though, especially recently, everybody just sits there and brings up how much is Crosby crying, and I'm like, look, it's okay. You know, his hand hurts from all the rings yeah. that he has to wear. I get it.
1: Oh snap! He's, he's, he's an incredible player. Yeah, he is. Still, still Canadian. better than McDavid. <laughs> sorry, sorry, Edmonton. But, uh, <laughs> Um, just, um, for someone like myself, at least growing up in Western Canada, Pittsburgh is just, uh, a blob in the big, big blob of giant U S Midwest slash East coast cities. So I guess, could you just describe the, I, I guess, just maybe tell me a little bit about your local community, uh, both in general, just tell me a little bit about your city and region and also about the flesh and blood community
2: so yeah so the the city in general it's you know it, it's a very weird city to describe in that uh you know it is it is very affordable to live compared to some of the other major ones but it it also has a enough to do in it that you don't feel like you're hey like I'm living out in the middle of nowhere and the big thing to do is go hang out in the Walmart parking lot you know my wife comes from a very uh, country kind of area. She uh, grew up near Erie, Pennsylvania. And she was like, her town was right next door to like a large Amish community, uh, to the point where I said there was equal horse and buggies as there were like cars on the road. Uh, so, I mean, I like, I told her, I was like, I couldn't, I couldn't live there because there's nothing to do. And you know, her here now, she's like, I love that. You know, I'm only ever like a 20 minute drive away from downtown and, and always having something to do, whether it be like, you know, uh, going to see a show, uh, you know, Pittsburgh has all kinds of activities. Like, we just had uh, something called Picklesburg here, I think, last weekend, uh, which is just celebrating all things pickles, like, like in Heinz and things like that. And it, it is, it's very weird, but it is, it's very cool. Um, you know, so it's, it's a, it's a good city. I always tell people, you know, there's, it's a great place to raise a family. It's a great place to be, even if you're just single, like the nightlife, uh, you know, activities for, you know, younger single folks is probably just as good as it is for like, I I say older folks like me that are like, okay, look, I need to be back at home like by 9 PM. So I can go to bed. Like, like (laughs) there's, there's plenty to do, which is kind of good. Um, in in terms of, you know, the the flesh and blood community and things like that, uh, I would say we have probably the you know, and, and I know I'm a little biased, but have the nicest community uh around. Uh, and that I think it's one of the things that yeah. drew me into it. And I think Shay, you brought it up saying, like flesh and blood, it's it, it's unique to other card games and things like that that I've been a part of just due to the demographic that I, I tend to see. Um and so, uh, whenever I was kind of starting to get into the game and posting online, uh, an individual he's you know also big in the you know Twitterverse and Flesh and Blood scene. Uh, his name's Matt. He goes by Sin on Stream and things like that on Twitter. Uh, but he reached out to me and was like, "Hey, look, th- this is going on at Green Tree. Come hang out." And you know, it took you know a little bit of time before I felt comfortable enough to go out to an armory. You know, because I felt like, hey, if I mess up, everybody, re- like, I'm going to be ruining the time for everybody else. But I mean, you know walk in everybody's like this is your name how you doing like they they took the time to get to know you which was absolutely amazing uh to the point where like anytime somebody new comes we always laugh like they leave like with like one of those thousand count like uh bcw boxes of just bulk like hey look what do you need yep. like here's everything yep. to get started here's all like my rares and my commons and things like that that i like i don't need please build what you want um i mean heck we've had people just like, open a pack, get like a duplicate of a legendary that they have, and it was just like, Hey, new guy, here's like an Arcanite skull cap. Like, by all means, like, nice. yeah. here you go, get started. Um, you know, and you know, the I know one of the things is to like, uh, bringing back Green Tree Sports Cards John. Whenever we were starting to grow, like, what makes him successful in his store, in my opinion, is not only does he, you know, run a successful business and, and collect and sell and do all that kind of stuff, but it's somebody that just loves playing the game to the point where whenever like his store started to get you know packed and he couldn't play every week at armories and things like that he was like look i'm putting a bounty out here you know whoever can get another store to have you know events like so i can start playing like i'll just give you a box of i think it was like uprising or something at the time uh and so well, you know we all said okay like what can we do to get the the community to grow and uh go above and beyond but i mean it, it is you know, I consider everybody kind of in the Pittsburgh flesh and blood scene, like kind of like an extended family to me. I mean, when we went to the calling Indianapolis, we rented a house and it was like the best time. I mean, I have a picture that I love on my phone of us all just going out to breakfast, like in our matching jerseys and things like that, just sitting at a table. And it it is the absolute best. I mean, uh, you know, I I always tell people, I said, look, I, I love the game. I love playing the game, but going to these events with that group of people is really what I live for. Uh, you know, I mean, we we have an inside joke uh, when we come back from breakfast at the Indianapolis calling and people were getting ready to go. Uh, you know, somebody stayed back from breakfast. They woke up late or something like that. And we came back and they were watching a tier list on flavors of ice cream. And we spent, no joke, 45 <laughs> minutes arguing about the tier list rankings that they were watching. And, and, and I think more of us remember that from the event than we do our flesh and blood matches or what happened. Yeah. yeah. So those are the best. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's just a blast and, and just a chance to go out and like I said, just spend time with people that share a hobby with you and just, you know, really unwind and and, and get those kind of person to person, face to face connections.
1: It's incredible to hear you talk about your community with such passion like that, because it almost directly mirrors the way Shay and I feel about, our community i mean even things like going down to a big event and renting a big house together and spending up all night mm-hmm. debating nonsense and at the end of the day everyone remembers when all of us rolled out to a hot dog stand and bought like 100 hot dogs like <laughs> that's that's the exact same thing so it's it's incredible it it just reminds me yeah there's there's great communities um all over um the world when it comes to to flesh and blood and Sounds like yours is really, really unique and and friendly, um, which is something that we also aspire to be. Do you also have rivalries like we do? Uh, like I, I think of Pittsburgh. I think of Philly. Like, is there that? Is does that also come into play, or any of the other big cities?
2: So, so yeah we, we like i mean we, we kind of do i mean like if you're just talking general cities uh for pittsburgh as a whole certainly like you know cleveland philly like like all those kind of things are certainly big rivalries uh but like when you're sitting there talking like within flesh and blood yeah there's there's a little bit of rivalries between you know even like local uh players in the scene as well as uh you know us trying to like just outperform others like i know uh one of the stores that we're really really close with and we do a lot of things with like the pittsburgh store is uh the realm games that's currently doing like their 20k and all that yeah. um yeah. you know while i consider you know them friends and like they do amazing events and great stuff with uh green tree sports cards in the pittsburgh scene it is funny because like when i go there we always like kind of have this feeling of like look we want to perform well in front of those ohio locals like like we want to show, like that like we know what we're doing and all that kind of good stuff so that that's always a, uh, a a fun time but like even it like you know rivalries when we're talking within the local scene is uh i very much like love playing warrior and maining warrior and things like that and uh again i'll bring him up again matt sent on stream he is a very good runeblade player and he plays a lot of briar and you know we have played i swear every blitz armory we get paired into each other at some point uh and it, it has become like he, like he's i think posted one time like hey this is the final like the final boss of the the armory and it was me just on my dory deck cuz like we've played so many times and he has yet to beat me and they've always been close uh you know so i mean that, that's like a matchup i always look forward to uh, you know, uh, I like playing against, there's another individual, his name's Vince. He, he has a Reinar deck, uh, and he joined significantly after I joined in the scene. But I, I said, I love playing against him because like it gets better and gets better and gets better. And like, we, we just played in the, uh, the skirmish this weekend and he was my last match and it was probably the best match I've had in a long time. Uh, it came down to him just looking for a reckless swing at the very, very end. Cause I was on one health and I, I think I killed classic. him. The turn before he drew it. Uh, and so, I mean, uh, there, there's definitely things of like, okay, I'm going to beat this person. Like, uh, you know, we have uh, Andrew Yager, who's a great Kano and a great Katsu player. And I played against his Katsu deck, I think, four times or five times before I finally beat it. And it was like the best feeling because I was like... Like, th- this this SOB is sitting here, like, has my ticket every week and I can't get through it no matter what I bring or what I do. Uh, and, and so finally getting through, it's good. And the thing that I like about, like, and I'm sure you're seeing is probably the same way, the way that you talk about them, is after matches, we very much are like, here's what you should do or here's how you can get better. It's not a, up oh, you lost to me, I can't tell you. It was a, this was the moment. This is the decision that changed the whole game. Uh, and and yep. we're trying to build each other up and, and kind of, improve everybody in that regard which is really really cool
1: yeah we we definitely share that uh, spirit of uh of shared learning how important is that narrative to even someone like yourself chris uh, just enjoying armories and skirmishes and pro quests having those local rivalries those those people that are your nemesis when it comes to en- enjoying the game for you
2: I mean to me I think as long as it's in in good fun and good nature I I I think it's a great part of the game. Uh you know the one thing that I always try to tell people is uh, you know we'll get a new person in and you can tell like if after a week two three weeks they're starting to feel a little discouraged cuz you know that's maybe three weeks in a row they went 0 and 3 or 0, like 1 and 3 or something like that of like oh my god I'm just never going to catch up with these folks just reminding them like look Like when I started playing, I don't think I won a single Armory event for like three or four months. And then it went like a year without me like top, uh, you know, getting top in it and then finally getting another one. Uh, But every time I was improving and getting better and getting better and what kind of kept me going is those, you know, good natured rivalries are saying, I, I need to beat Yager's Kano. Like I need to figure out a way around this, or I need to get better against Briar because I know Matt's going to play it. Uh, and just really starting to kind of tech against your local scene uh, so that you're getting better. But then also by you doing that, you're helping them get better uh, because they're doing the same to you saying, okay, I know, you know, Felix is going to bring this, 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 you know, uh, this coming week against me. So I'm going to try to throw a curveball." Um, But as long as, like I said, at the end of the day, if everybody's having fun and just, doing you know what they love and enjoying the hobby. Uh you know, that, that's always a, a good thing to have is kind of those, you know, local rivalries. Uh, something to look forward to each week.
1: Oh yeah. It's just like when when Shay knocked me out of our skirmish just uh a couple days ago.
0: I'll get you <laughs> next time. All right, that's a conversation. But then I did unfortunately I lost the finals to our rivalry. So oh, well. I let both of us down. <laughs> that's all right.
1: <laughs> We're so, uh, not a rival, free, free spirits. <laughs> so, Chris, um, how competitive do you consider yourself these days? You've talked about juggling your family and your work life, and your managing your online community. But from from your perspective, how competitive do you do you think you are when it comes to those bigger events and those callings and and nationals and all of that?
2: Yeah. So, I mean. When we're talking callings and nationals and things like that, like I never I, I know I'm never gonna be the next like Brody Spurlock or something like that. Like I just don't have the time or the energy or, or the patience to sit through and really analyze every card in line and and do what the, the the top pros do. Like that's fine by me. My my competitiveness is sitting there saying as long as I'm walking away at the end of the day saying I know I performed the absolute best that I could with my deck and my knowledge set. I'm okay with that. I always try to set myself a personal goal of going, like, kind of 50-50. Uh, you know, if I can get to a day two of an event or top eight, eight an event, that's amazing. Uh, but my goal is to just consistently try to win more than I'm losing, uh, you know, on a match-by-match basis. You know, it doesn't always work out that way. You know, uh, when we were doing the uh, Pittsburgh Brawl, again, for the Rome Games, I brought Azuri and I said, look, as long as I don't parent and old him, you know or avoid Oldhams going into it I should be okay for the most part round one was against old him round two was against old him round three was something else round four was old him and I'm like i I, I can't like I literally round four was old him and they sat down and presented I said you're an old him? And they're like, yeah, I'm like, I'm, I'm just conceding. I said, my brain does not have it in me right now to go another round and do an old him. I, I said, and they're like, you sure you don't want to play it? I was like, no, look, I like I appreciate what you're doing. It, it is nothing against you, but I just can't, you know? So I'm not one of those people that if I go into a terrible matchup and it's been a terrible day, I'm going to keep plowing through it to keep getting better. I'm just going to say, look, there's side events. There's other things I could be doing. I could be, you know, enjoying time with the community. I'm going to do that. Um uh, so I like, I like place myself in the middle. Like I said, when we talk about the team, I like being a part of the team to provide the input, you know, put my brain power to kind of to the test and improve personally. But with it being a kind of, like I said, you know, one of us wins, all of us wins mentality. to me, my competitiveness is saying, what can I do to make, you know, let's say like Pete, you know, do well, like, uh, you know, we we're doing the RTN. He topped eight. He's getting into, uh, or he top four. He's going. He's going to nationals uh, here in a couple of weeks. And I'm saying to me personally, what can I do to make sure Pete performs well in it, or what can I do to make sure Devin performs well in nationals? Like those are the things that are important to me in a competitive scene, uh, more so than being the person that kind of you know crosses the finish line first.
0: Yeah, you touched on a, a little point that I kind of wanted to. Go over was, if you're having a bad day, especially at a major event, I think you've said it. You're like, I'm just not going to play the game. It's your mental health is probably starting to struggle mm-hmm. at that point. So why keep banging your head against the wall? Because we do this for fun, mm-hmm. and um, as ambassadors for the game, uh, like Felix and I, I would imagine you too, that you don't want to prevent present uh, like a sour apple to the community you want to try to stay Mm -hmm. positive i think it's a really good thing that you mentioned that you're like yeah i'm just going to take myself out of the situation we'll we'll erase this from this point on and we'll go do some side events and see if we can find some success somewhere else and just not keep going down in the dumps because you're having a bad day i I mean uh, it's one of those things like i said
2: i think that's the the most important skill that anybody can have just even in the game or outside of the game is being able to take a step back and self you know self-analyze where your mindset is at any given point. Mm -hmm. And and like you said, if, if you're not having fun, I don't want to be the person that because I'm having a rough time or because I'm frustrated with, you know, my personal performance that at the end of the match, if somebody extends their hand saying good game, like that, I don't shake a hand or I don't fist bump and get up. Like I don't want to ever become that person. So if I feel myself getting to that headspace that I'm getting frustrated with nothing to do with the person I'm up against. They could be the nicest person in the world. Uh, you know, that's something I want to sit there and, and, and take a step back and, and remove myself from that situation uh, to rezone and have fun. And, and uh, you know, I'm not saying you can't have fun if you're going into a bad matchup or something like that. I mean, uh, what was it? Well, the day before the Pittsburgh Brawl, Michael Fang came in, we did it in Armory. And I paired into him round one, literally right after he wins the Pro Tour on that. Uh, and and he, he, he goes to sit down. I said, look, before you present the hero, I just want to make sure that you know, you can concede if you want to. I understand if you're afraid. And just having that moment of like joking, like, okay, I know I'm, I know I'm yeah. going into a loss here just based on who it is and it being probably the yeah. best ultimate player in the world right now. Uh, like, But being able to sit there and say, look, I'm, I'm going to joke about it, have a good time, and then let them know, like, look, It's casual in my mind. I'm sure, you know, it's casual for you. Uh, And he was super cool, really, really nice afterwards, like walked me through saying, hey, here's how you could probably perform better into old him. Uh, And just building those friendships sometimes is always even more valuable than kind of taking the win is, is being able to walk away saying, hey, I learned something or I improved or, you know, I built a good relationship with somebody
1: even in the outlook that you described in recognizing what was under your control and what wasn't and just accepting if something happened that was out of your control and led to a bad outcome for you in that you know being paired against Oldham, something like that to recognize the controllables and not is a fairly mature outlook and I mean, Chris, is that a skill that you've always had? Or is that something that you've <laughs> developed um, it, over time? It,
2: it, it is something that I have developed, and I think everybody can develop. Uh, you know, it, it is something that is, is hard to do. And people that can do it with, you know, no second thought, I, I'm very jealous of. Uh, but I am one of those people that, I, you know, I, I know I can start kind of going into a downward spiral, spiral uh, if I don't find a way to resolve it quickly, uh, and and I use the Pittsburgh brawl one as an example, just because again it it was a really really well done event, but I had to leave day one like as early as I could, and, and because I said, look, I'm I know I'm not going to like you know represent myself well here in the mindset I'm in. I know it's not going to be a good reflection on you know the team or the city or the event if I'm sitting here just you know. Uh, for better lack of term, like flipping tables or something like that about old him. Yeah. Like it, it, it's better for me to sit there and say, look, let the event continue to go. I, I don't want to be a downer or ruin people's day or anything like that. Uh, I'll step away, co- you know, go home, you know, spend time with the family, come back for day two uh, and just really try to enjoy it. Uh, you know, I, I think that's something that everybody can develop or work on. If, even if you're not there yet and many people do it much better than I do, uh, but yeah, it, it's something that just, it is a, an acquired skill. And certainly I did not have it uh, at the beginning, especially when I was in my more competitive days with everything. Uh, when I did a lot of Heroes of the Storm and captaining a team, you know, we had consistent practices and I was not always the, the most calm and collected person. Cause I said, look, I want to win. I, you know, I'm putting all this time and energy into the team. I, you know, we've drafted, we've recruited people and, you know, certain performance isn't good. And I said, look, it's, it's a game. People here for fun. We're not all in the same mindset or same end goal of what we want to you know get from the hobby so why would i let that drag somebody else down that maybe isn't feeling the same way i am
1: yeah you're you're describing the evolution from results-based thinking to i don't know like process-based thinking i guess like people are rewarded based on results you know first place at the pro tour gets the biggest prize and second gets a lesser prize and and so on and so forth and and that's what we focus on the winners the people that got that went undefeated but we we don't so much talk about the people that could have won but were unlucky or got paired into nothing but oldums or anything like that and <laughs> <laughs> it could happen i'm guilty of sometimes being the oldum <laughs>
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, or that's... even personal successes from
2: some yeah. other yeah. people. I, I think the I think the key is you you have to evaluate what is defining success to you. And if you're one of those people that says success yeah. to me is, you know, number one in the you know pro tour, that's cool. Like, hey, that's you, you know, I'm gonna cheer for you, I'll support you and try to do anything I can to help get there. But if your success is also saying, you know, I have social anxiety and I just want to step in the door at an event, sit down and play a match. If you do that, I feel like that should be celebrated, you know, just as much as somebody winning, you know, number one, uh, you know, so being able to sit there and, and quickly define it on an individual level, what is success to you, um, mm-hmm. I, I think is kind of critical. And, and you know, like you saying, mm-hmm. going from like a results based uh, thinking approach, because, you know, you don't have to sit there and think I'm going to the calling to win it, or I'm going to the battle harder to win it, you could just sit there and say, I'm going to it for an experience. I want to walk away remembering this and having a good time.
1: Yeah, no, that's that's really insightful. Thank you. And one other thing that I wanted to ask you, Chris, is you have a lot of experience with gaming, is and mm-hmm. I mean, you're you're a little bit older. You you have a family and and all of that. You've you must have seen gaming as a whole change over the decades from when you were growing up playing playing the super Nintendo and all of that to, to now. And I'm just curious from your perspective, what were some of the big changes in the gaming industry from your perspective?
2: So, you know, I mean, the big thing, and I don't know why it's so ingrained in my mind as a memory, but I mean, I will never forget when I got the original Xbox and, you know, and I hooked up to the Internet for the first time, because, again, I mean, I, I had a PC, but I was never a huge PC gamer. So, I mean, there, there sure may have been some instances of being able to play with people online and things like that. But being able to sit there and, you know, take an Xbox, connect it to the Internet for the first time and, you know, boot up Halo and just play with people was mind boggling to me. I mean, it was one of those things of like I just remember people get like the early days of online gaming, people just getting on the mic and just being like, where, where are you all from? Like, like, Oh, I'm Pennsylvania. I'm I'm from from California. And just, that was just madness in my mind. Uh, and and it's kind of cool seeing how the social aspect of gaming has evolved over the past, like 30 years or so of how do I take information that, you know, is really, really local to me and spread it across the world. I mean, you know, we were talking about GoldenEye earlier and things like that. You know, I may have been the best GoldenEye player and, you know, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania or something like that. But suddenly when you opened it to a whole nother world, you're like, oh, my God, these people are amazing. And so being able to kind of see and adapt and and really learn from other people's strategies and how they view, you know, a game or view something that, you know, you love uh, is it was a really, really cool thing to see and experience. Uh you know, we always say that, you know, my generation is we were, we're old enough to know, you know, or we're young enough to know like if somebody's sitting there saying they need your social security card online or something, it's a scam, you know, but we're old enough that we don't fully get like all like the, the social aspects or we can appreciate what things were like before the internet. You know, they're like, mm-hmm. I, like I was kind of that right age of like, pre-internet post-internet days uh and really getting to see kind of how the gaming community has evolved uh, around that so like gosh i remember printing out old uh walkthroughs for like how to beat like majora's mask or something like that from the internet and like yeah. like really having to read like oh my god somebody wrote this or this is a good walkthrough and this is a bad walkthrough and and all that kind yeah. of stuff so that that especially in the tcg space is really really cool of saying look uh, Mara came up with this deck, and you know, this is what she built. And everybody looking at it and saying, yeah, "This is the best version," or like, "Hey, this is how I would change it for my local scene," uh, is 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 really, really kind of cool to see.
1: Yeah, even the I don't know what the right word is, like the normalization of gaming as a hobby over the last ten years or fifteen years or however long has mm-hmm. been pretty pretty cool to see because I I remember some of the advertisements for Nintendo systems and Sega in in the 90s, and it was this edgy kid stuff, like, shh, don't want your parents to see this, or, you know, mm-hmm. it's still a, almost like it was shameful to be, or it was something that your parents wouldn't approve of. But now it's a it's a great family hobby, potentially. It's something that people of any gender or age or ability could get into there's there's something for you no matter what genre you're interested in um yeah it's it's that that accessibility as well that has really changed
2: yeah i I will say the one the one thing i always joke about that gives me hope for the future is like uh now that my daughter's in school and things like that just seeing how accepting kids are these days of like like you said the gaming like hobby or gaming space or just really anything Uh, and i'm sure it's not universal everywhere but it certainly is here which is nice it's it's really refreshing because like you said growing up many of us felt like we had to hide these kind of interests because it wasn't the cool thing to do um you know and just seeing people be like look i you know i play minecraft or like i collect pokemon cards like we gave uh this year for halloween uh we got those like halibu packs or whatever for the ho- like the uh, pokemon cards that were like four or five cards or whatever they're all like go to see. Oh, yeah
1: i've seen those and it was like yeah we-
2: like we were like the coolest house on the street. Like kids were running like, Oh my God, it's poke And I'm like, I'm like, <laughs> as a kid, I would have loved this, but like, I would have felt like I couldn't express how cool that was outside of like my like really close two or three friends at the time. Yeah. Uh, so like that, that was really, really fun to see is like seeing the, you know, the gaming as a hobby being a lot more widely embraced and
0: accepted, uh, you know, just in mainstream culture. Speaking of gaming and family, is that something that's important for you to share with your children? Um, you mentioned earlier that your wife uh, plays board games. Is this something that you're looking forward to that you want to pass on to the next generation?
2: Yeah. So uh, it, it is certainly something that I'm hoping my kids take a big interest in. Uh, they, you know, I buy Pokemon cards and things like that for them. They they have their own little binders and like they trade based exclusively on which ones are cute. Like they don't care about rarity or anything yeah. like that. Yeah. Uh, but uh you know I, we we definitely try to expose it to them in, in trying to say like look we love board games or i love trading card games you know i don't lie like if i say hey it's tuesday i'm going out it's like you know game night they understand what i'm doing they always come back and say hey did you win anything what did you get and i get to show off like hey the cool stuff from yeah. the prize packs i give them and i know people are like oh my god flesh and blood the art's so grotesque i'm like look it, it, he's a five-year-old he doesn't understand what's going on he's like oh look at this card and yeah. it's like on the floor two seconds later so i mean it, it's one of those things that i'm like i i just want to be open with them about you know the hobby that way they know if they like it look there's a resource for it if they don't that's fine too uh you know i i want them to be able to fully branch into whatever they have an interest in uh but also not hide that it's perfectly acceptable if they do something that isn't you know like i said seen as cool you know, because I'd support yeah. them. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I definitely think it's, you know, a, a good dream or hope of mine is that my kids get into gaming in some sort, whether it be board games, trading card games, video games, just that way it's something I can share and connect with them on.
0: Yeah, I'm in the same boat. My daughter has very little interest in all of those three things, board games, card games, and mm-hmm. video games. We've gotten to dabble a little bit. Um, occasionally she'll ask me if I want to play Super Mario Kart. Mm -hmm. And I think for her right now, it's primarily just she just wants to engage with her father. She doesn't actually care what it is that we're doing. Because I'll often ask her if she wants to play KeyForge, or we're starting to play Crokinole. And she's like, "Eh, sure. But she's not interested in that. She just wants to spend time with her dad. And I can appreciate that. Um, She's eight. So I take her to Armories with me. It's one of the ways that I give my wife some space. Um, so she can have some alone time to do whatever she wants to do, puzzle or listen to audiobooks. And by taking my daughter to two game stores to, to you know, engage in flesh and blood, she, well, I guess not really engage flesh and blood. She just kind of comes for snacks, honestly. Um, and she brings her crafts. Um, but, you know, I'm hoping that one day that she'll just be like, hey, dad, I want to try this or I want to. Mm-hmm. You know, try Pokemon. I see other kids playing Pokemon that are younger than me. Um, she's currently not interested in it, but and, that, and that, like you, it's okay. The the hope and the dream is there, um, and all I do is just kind of keep trying to provide an outlet yep. for her to attempt it if she wants to do it. Um, and then one of the things that I also do is I actually don't op I try not to open my prize packs, even though I'm like a kid sometimes. I bring them home for her, and she's usually in bed a lot of the times during school, um, so I leave them on the table for her to open up. The packs mm-hmm. in the morning because she gets up before I do, and she's pretty funny because she'll just open the packs, mm-hmm. uh, and that's it. She just opens. Them. She doesn't even look at them. Uh, she used to look at them and look for the shiny ones because those were the rare mm-hmm. ones, even though there might be like a majestic hiding behind the rainbow foil or something mm-hmm. like that. So she, you know, I have a little bit of engagement with her um, in the flesh and blood world, and we have tons of board games that are kid kid centric that we try and pull out every now and then to kind of help engage with her, even more so just with reading and math also it's a it's a fun way to engage in the academic side uh if people hadn't really thought of that but it's kind of my experience with my daughter um and we're always just trying to you know show her the next thing and hopefully she'll get it uh excited about it with us and if she doesn't that's okay
2: you know and that sounds good. And like I said, I mean, it's funny because you said your daughter's eight. And my daughter is seven. So they're very similar in, in terms of that. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, I, I, I get it. Yeah, she has, she has zero interest. But I have not brought her to an armor yet. But I she has stopped by at a couple events that, like, I participated in just to to kind of see what they look like, which is kind of cool. So, I mean, it, it. but like you said, it's it's just really getting to spend time with them and, you know, for them to spend time with yeah. you. So, you know, any outlet like that is for is definitely a win.
0: Yeah, when she comes with me, it's mostly about, like – um for her is coloring and doing crafts and getting, you know, like a bag of chips and some juice or something like Mm -hmm. that. So she does, she finds, she's really good. She finds a way to occupy herself. So she's not sitting there bored and she's not bothering me. Um, Yeah. So Mm -hmm. we get to, and she gets to meet the people of the community and which I think is very important aspect for socializing my kid, getting to talk to people and um, I make her go get her snacks. So she goes up to the, uh, cat cash register and she takes my card and she buys her own snacks. Yep. So. so just another, just another aspect of trying to like introduce the community to children. Cause there are some younger people as well as, uh, getting to, like I said, getting to socialize my kid. Cause it's very important, uh, to me as a parent that my kid can interact with strangers. hundred uh, percent. And this is a very safe environment to do. hundred percent. A hundred percent.
1: Let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about the flesh and common blood league, can you mm-hmm. just give me your introduction to the league?
2: Yeah, sure. So the the whole idea of the league came around because whenever I was starting to look into this uh, the game as a whole, uh, you know, I, I was looking into CC, looking into Blitz, uh, you know, and I said, like, I don't I don't have a lot of the cards that I need to play, uh, nor do I feel comfortable in kind of playing the the game at a competitive level. Uh, and I think when I started you know, really looking into commoner, it wasn't even a, uh, an official casual format yet or anything like that. Uh, I think DM Armada's discord was doing something similar to what ended up being the, uh, the commoner roles, uh, themselves. And I thought that was kind of cool. And I was like, okay, look, I could, I could build a deck here for like three or four bucks, uh, try out all the heroes, do all that kind of stuff. And, and so to me, it was a good introduction point to the format. And it was something that I, I, kind of fell in love with of saying like look it's it's nice that as the game evolves and as the game kind of continues to grow uh not only can the format be used to onboard new people and say hey look if you don't know what a hero's like if you don't know how to play the game here's a low monetary investment that gets you there uh and then if you don't like it hey you don't have to keep playing or anything like that but if you love it uh you could Either continue to use the format to try out new heroes and get a feel of maybe what heroes you like. uh, Or you can use the format to sit there and say, I really love the hero I'm playing. How do I take this Commodore deck and evolve it into a Blitz? And how do I take Blitz and evolve it to CC? Uh, So the, the format as a whole, I think, provides avenues for individuals of all different kinds of background and experience of the game and all that to find something in it. Uh, I know not everybody loves Commodore and I'm perfectly okay with that. But again, if people are saying it's not competitive enough or if it's not CC, I get it. It's not for you. I'm not trying to force it to be for you or make you love it. Uh, to me, it was saying, hey, look, when I was trying to start to learn to play the game, I needed an outlet and an avenue to do it. You know, this was my solution is, is asking was anybody else interested? And then, you know, as I started to hear more about it, I said, OK, look, we'll put something together uh, and see if we can get you know more like minded people into it. And, it. and it kind of took off. And I said, look, as long as I get enough people to, you know, kind of fire off the league, you know, my, my goal is always about 20, per, 20 people per season. Certainly, if I get more, that's great. If I get a little under, that's also fine. Uh, but to me, it's saying, hey, I just I wanted to have a strong community feel or community focus first. Uh, and so if it's just, you know, two or three people, you know, while I, it's not that I don't appreciate them. It's saying yeah, it's kind of defeating the purpose. Uh, so if it gets to the point where the community says, look, we don't want to play common or we don't like the league, I'll happily step away from it and, and go with what the community likes. But if there's still a good group of folks and say, Hey, I enjoy it. I enjoy the people that I get to play with and, and talk to and just play the game, especially because, some people may not have a local scene or people may not be able to play commoner, or say, hey, look, my local scene only does CC uh, and I'm not a CC fan. Having that outlet or avenue available, I think, is, is important. And so I just try to make sure that it's there and ready to be utilized if people need it.
1: Yeah, let's expand on that a little bit because we've spent a lot of time talking about how passionate you are about your local community in Pittsburgh and how great it is. But th- this league that we're talking about here is an online league. I'm just curious, why did you start it as an online league and not just focus on, should I say, your strength or your main focus of your locals community? Why Why do you feel the the responsibility to look after those people that may not have a local scene or anything like that.
2: The reason why I wanted to focus it online. uh, And it's funny that you said like, Hey, look after those people is because at one point I was quote unquote, those people, um, before I, you know, found green tree sports cards that kind of got me started in it. Uh, I didn't know. Like, I, I asked the local store that was uh open here at the time if they play Flesh and Blood. No, they don't. Uh, I checked another store that was close by. They didn't have a community. So I said, look, I, I really like this game, but I have nowhere to play it. Um, I tried a couple different online armories at the time. Uh, most of them were CC focused. It was right around the Starvo era. Uh, and I jumped in. I was like, well, this is no fun for me. Uh, so <laughs> let me get out of this. Uh, and and like I said uh, a little bit ago, I said, you know, I put the feeler out there saying, hey, look, would anybody be interested in this format? Uh, if so, I'll put something together. I'll run it. And we got a, a large calling, especially initially of folks saying, you know, there's nowhere for me to play this game, but it seems interested and I want to learn, but I don't want to be a burden. Uh, and so I said, look, it's okay. Or like, there was people sitting there saying, you know, I want to play this game, but for whatever reason, whether it's, you know, uh, I'm part of a minority group or, uh, you know, I don't feel comfortable or feel safe in my local scene or anything like that. I wanted to make sure that there was, Outlet available out there that they would feel welcomed or accepted, uh, or something that you know they would have that resource or or have that uh, opportunity available to them. Uh, you know, there's granted, you know, since I started doing this, there's been other leagues like I know. Uh, uh, what is it called? The Pitch Perfect League, uh, the Rainbow League, I believe is what they call it, uh, run by uh, uh, Melody and Elaine uh they do a great job representing uh kind of that uh segment of the population or that segment of you know our community that I want to make sure that everybody feels like they have a spot, you know, uh or they have somebody that's there to play with them. Uh it's also a big reason why the format, at least in my league, we take a little bit of creative liberty with how it's run in that it's not just a one and done like you would at an armory where you sit down against somebody, you play a match, you win or you lose. Uh, but we have we have a best of three format in place because, again, some people may not have the opportunity to play this regularly or, or go to an armory or something like that. And so and to go bring a deck and sit down, let's say, against, I don't know, a, a chain or an ira and be blown out in like you know four turns or three turns and be like oh it's been 10 minutes but good game i'm out of here it kind of feels bad yeah uh you know it's okay well i I gotta wait a whole another week to play 10 minutes um so being able to sit there and say hey look if we do a best of three hopefully you're having those kind of conversations or that interaction with your opponent of saying hey that match went really well i like the deck that you played you know, I've been wanting to get into chain or been wanting to get into IRA. Do you have any recommendations or can you share that deck list with me? Uh, Or, oh, you know, I think I would have had it if you didn't get this card. I I never saw it coming. Uh, You know, building that relationship and and building that rapport with your opponent, I think is as equally important as, you know, winning a match. Uh, So we wanted to make sure that, you know, on average, people had at least 30 minutes uh, of play time uh, during a week. Uh, Certainly some can go more, some can go less. Uh, People could play... You know, more often, uh, you know, say, hey, look, you know, I know we've reported, but do you want to keep playing? That's always kind of good to hear. So uh, I, I just want to try to make sure that that feel and that, you know, uh, community continues to grow and continues to feel that way uh, over time. That way, you know, everybody feels represented. Everybody feels like they've had a chance to experience or play the game if they want to. Uh, and they have a, you know, an avenue to do that.
1: I'm hearing that some of the pillars of your of the community that you're building are that safe space for people that may not feel welcome at their local game store or maybe that don't have a local scene and also just building that rapport and that sense of social gaming um, like you described with the best of three format. I guess would that be accurate? and are there any other, you know philosophical pillars or core messages that, I guess, guide your decisions about how to manage this league.
2: Yeah. So, I mean, I think that's the big one is just, you know, obviously having kind of like that, that safe and welcoming space for everybody uh, is certainly another reason why we've had people sit there and say, Hey, why don't you branch into CC? Why don't you branch into blitz? Why do you keep sticking with commoner Uh, again? Because it's, it's relatively cheap and easy to get into. Uh, We have probably every season, at least one or two people join that say, Hey, I'm new to the game, but, you know, can we do this? And I always tell people, look, if you're completely new to the game, you have no cards, you want to play, even though a lot of people use Talishar, let me know. I will happily build you a commoner deck and just send it to you. Just help me cover shipping. Like, that's okay with me. Like, uh, I will give you whatever I can to get you into this game because when I was getting started, I've had, you know, some very nice people help me out as well. Uh, So, you know, I try to kind of pay that forward as best as I can. Uh, but you know, that that's, you know, at the end of every season, I always put out a survey and I ask people like, Hey, look, if you've played, if you can complete it, I greatly appreciate it so we can improve. But that's one of the first questions I always ask is like, Hey, look at any point during the season where you made you feel uncomfortable, like, uh, by an opponent. And then at any point in the season have, you know, uh, I done anything that has made you feel uncomfortable. Uh, because again, I may do something that I'm not aware of and, you know, certainly I just want to to know if that's the case so I can always improve and grow as a person. Uh, luckily, we've had no major incidents uh, in all six seasons, you know, knock on wood. Uh, we did have one minor uh, situation that popped up where, uh, you know, somebody did uh, use a an incorrect pronoun. They, they certainly weren't trying to be malicious or anything like that with it, but it did come off incorrectly. And, you know, at the end of it, you know, both of the two individuals were able to kind of, uh, come to a conclusion and, you know, resolve it in a way that they both were okay with. Uh, and they both continued to play the, the remainder of the season, which made me feel good about it. So, cause I I said, look, you know, this person was new to the league and I said to them, look, I, I don't want you to feel like, you know, this is an accurate representation of what you're going to face. Uh, I also didn't want to downplay what that individual is going through saying, oh, you know, you're making a big deal out of nothing. You know, I don't understand. Cause even if, the person that, you know, made the comment, you know, I believe didn't do it in a malicious way. It certainly was valid for the other individual to have those feelings that they felt. Uh, so I wanted to make sure that, like they understood, I understood where they were coming from and I want to do what I can to make them feel comfortable and safe and the, have the ability to continue playing if that is what they wanted to do. Uh, you know, so, that's always kind of important to me is that no matter big or small or, you know, if somebody feels like they're in the right, they're wrong, that if worse comes to worse, I can come kind of come as a kind of a, a middleman, so to speak, and say, let me hear it. Let me see what's going on and and try to resolve this in a way that both people can walk away from it feeling OK with the outcome.
1: Yeah, without under without knowing anything about the specifics of the situation that that you brought up, it does sound like something that was handled very tactfully. Um, I mean, when you, anytime I think about any sort of online community, I'm sure you can appreciate my, my mind goes to dealing with bad actors, dealing with trolls. And it's, it's a sad reality sometimes, uh, you know, as a community grows, um, no matter what percentage of people you believe maybe bad actors, 1%, 0.1%, we're going to run into them mm-hmm. and... Mm-hmm. in person dealing with it i i hope that having to look someone like myself and shay in the eye and <laughs> maybe we hopefully we'd be able to handle it uh, internally versus <laughs> yeah uh versus something online is that something that worries mm-hmm. you as your community grows it it does i mean <laughs> I, I think
2: anybody that has an online community, uh, e- even though mine's kind of small fry compared to like, let's say like DM Armados or somebody like that, that's huge in the community. Uh, anybody that says that they're not somewhat concerned that, you know, there's going to be a bad apple or a troll that comes in. Uh, I, I would argue is probably lying. I mean, you may say your community is great. And if somebody like that comes in, the community will understand and stand behind you and help support you and and eliminating or removing that bad app or dealing with the situation and that all may be true but it's never a a, a blemish that you want in your community no matter how short it may have been uh so it, it is always a concern of mine is that you know we will have somebody to join that's just going to cause problems um luckily like i said we haven't had that happen yet but i do have a Uh, belief at this point that the majority of my community are repeat uh, participants at this point that when a new player joins um i feel pretty confident in being able to point them to various individuals saying if you have questions go to capullo or go to tom from big tom uh big basketball club uh you know these people have been here since day one i know that you know they share similar values to myself uh, that if I'm not on or if I can't handle it, even though they're not mods of the of the uh, league in any uh, any way, uh, I can trust them because of the seasons that we've played together and participated together uh, to make sure that they're going to be able to kind of do that. So it, it, it's definitely a concern, but at a certain point, you just got to have faith in the community and you got to have faith that, you know, if something like that pops up, uh, everybody will be able to be mature enough to to handle it in a in a respectful way uh, or trust that I'm going to kind of put an end to it before it gets too far out of hand uh, you know and if, if I ever fail to do that I always tell people please call me out on it like don't feel like you can't say Chris you handled that incorrectly or Chris what you did there I you know I take offense to uh, that that's not gonna hurt my feelings that's something I need to learn from uh, you know so. Knock on wood, all good in the clear now. But yeah, it's, it's definitely I think a, a concern that one day that may happen.
1: Yeah, it sounds like you've identified champions within the community to, to take a, a leadership role as well as yourself to supplement and and build a strong culture um, just just to to let everyone know that if something happens that that you know the community will have their back. And my my question would be for anyone that's trying to build a community, whether it's a local community from scratch or another online community, what advice would you, you give to those people just to, to keep that community strong and grow uh, over time? Yeah, so the,
2: the one thing I'd always say is, uh, as somebody with a little bit of background into kind of content creation, uh, streaming, community growth, all that kind of uh, good stuff, Don't build it in such a way that you are doing what you think is going to get you the most participants or the most viewers or clicks or anything like that. Um, If you're doing that, you're often going to find yourself not being true to kind of what's important to you or what you like. Um, I always say I'd rather have a very small closed league of individuals that. Share similar values and beliefs to myself, and I know are, you know, not quote unquote trolls, then, you know, just say, Hey, my Discord has 20 million people in it. Like, to me, it's not about the numbers. It's about me doing what I like to do and providing that avenue for people that I believe share similar values. So, anybody that is kind of starting a league or starting, you know, a podcast or starting, you know, to stream or anything like that, do what you love first and. Even if you're the only one on camera, you're the only one doing it, talk like like learning to build that habit of talking to yourself, like somebody is watching or somebody is participating, uh, is huge. Um, You know, you may have a league of only five people to start or six people to start. Don't think that that's a failure. Consider it like, okay, look, we got six people. Let's make this good. Next season, do I want more people? If so, what can I learn from it? How do I get seven? How do I get eight? How do I get 10? What's your ultimate goal? And recognize the small uh, improvements and the small victories you have along the way. Uh, you know, I, nobody went from zero viewers to a million viewers overnight. Or, you know, uh, you know, there, there's always some work or something behind the scenes that you have to put into it. And so just being able to recognize those small victories along the way is is kind of always huge.
1: You mentioned long-term goals. Do you have any particular long-term goals for... For your league?
2: <laughs> um, I would love, you know, and, uh, you know, I think everybody that's kind of a, and I don't view myself as one, but some people do a quote unquote content creator uh, for the uh, flesh and blood community is to get a spoiler. I always joke. I want the commonest, junkiest spoiler preview that they <laughs> ever come out with, uh, you know, because I, I think that would be kind of fun to do is, is something with the league of being like, hey, look, here's. Yeah put a bounty on it being like, look, whoever wins the most games with this, you know, junkie common spoiled card gets a certain prize at the end or something like that. Uh, that That's always been, you know, kind of my goal is to, to give me a junkie warrior or not even more, just like a junkie common spoiler uh, that, you know, you think is only useful in very, very specific situations. Uh, you know, that that's my personal long-term goal. Uh, other than that, it's just really just trying to to have somewhere that like people are just having fun and just enjoying each other and, and playing the game. Uh, as long as that's going on, I'm happy.
1: That's a, it's a really admirable, admirable goal. And fingers crossed that you get a, <laughs> a real junkie spoiler that people will struggle to, <laughs> to fit in their deck.
2: <laughs> yeah. so
1: just last question about the league here. Um, what is your favorite memory? Something that that you can share to inspire Others or something just to to give me a good mental picture of what this league is all about.
2: My favorite memory, I think, that I have. um, uh, We'll we'll, we'll use two. So we did, and it's not common or related, believe it or not, the one. But I did a mini between the uh, between seasons uh, tournament uh, of saying, hey, look, I want people to play something and you know, whoever wins, I, I commissioned a altar from Andromeda Alters. I said, look, whatever the hero is that wins, I'll, I'll get it commissioned out and I will uh, send it your way. And Tom, again, his podcast and everything, big boss, book club. Uh he's a regular in the league. He ended up winning it in the UK uh and so being able to get that done and send it to him was was kind of a fun thing because uh i would always give him hell for playing old him i hate old him in the worst way and i think he just needs to go for everything uh because everybody too. i honestly would have had no problem with old him in cc if it wasn't for that stupid crown but uh, that's another story yeah. but i mean it, like so he won it and like, you know, for a while, like he was rubbing it in my face, like, oh, like, you know, oh, it's going to be, it's going to be. And so when he got it, I, I was like, ah, oh, I was like, I hate, it. I have to give this to him. But, uh, being able to kind of give that to him and have, like have a little celebration with him, uh, even though it was something I didn't like, uh, was rough. Um, also whenever I was getting started, you know, I, I, I reached out to uh, some folks and was able to at the very, very beginning uh, get all kinds of support from the community, which was huge. Like I got quiver time to donate. I had ultra pro donate prizing. Sometimes um, I had a uh, paper collective in the community. You know, they design uh, play mats and things like that. Oftentimes with like a flesh and blood mm-hmm. here and a Pokemon, yep. uh, they designed a, an exclusive play mat for season two uh, for our champion uh, there, which was really, really cool of them. So, as a collective over like a uh, overarching thing that I'm always amazed and floored by is people saying like, Hey, I, I like what you guys are doing with the league. I want to support it. Even if it's small and in, in any way, that's always kind of cool to me is saying, cause it's somebody saying, look, I, I see what you're doing. I, I see the vision behind it and I appreciate what you're trying to do for it. Let me help support. Uh, that That's always just a huge, huge like kind of plus to me and something that I'm always quite proud of is that people see what we're doing and they like it uh, and want to give back to other communities, just out of, you know, other members of the community just out of the goodness of their heart. So uh, I'm always extremely grateful for everybody in the past and future that have, you know, helped in any way with that.
0: Before we wind up with the last couple of simple questions, I do want to thank you for your open and honesty. We touched on some heavier topics this episode and I appreciate that um, you gave honest answers and even just self-reflecting uh, on yourself and how you can be better is something that's very admirable, admirable that a lot of people I think often overlook as something to help grow themselves. So I, I do want to thank you that. Thank you for that. So do you have any closing thoughts that you'd like to share with any of our listeners or any of your community members? No, I mean, I, well, I mean, obviously first, thanks to you two for having me on. I mean, it,
2: it's always good just to, you know, get a chance to speak about the league and, you know, certainly with everybody in the community that, you know, does exist, I'm always kind of honored whenever anybody reaches out saying like, Hey, do you want to talk? Yeah. Cause again, I, I, view myself as like kind of small fry here so so, you know with everybody that you guys could have reached out to you know choosing me for an episode is is a huge honor to me so very much thank you for that uh in terms of you know the community i mean i i gotta i gotta say i i truly believe the people in my community are are some of the nicest folks in flesh and blood uh you know huge shout out to people like capullo he donates uh i believe every season since it started a set of the the uh the heralds he donates, yeah. he donates nice. good deeds. Um, Tom's been an amazing member of the community, uh, helping people get started. Uh, people like John from uh green tree sports cards in the past have donated uh, just boxes of product the, to give away and, and things like that. So, I mean, uh, I'm very proud of the community that we built, the people that are in it, uh, you know, large, small season. It doesn't matter to me. You know, I just, I, I'm very, very grateful for all the people that kind of just take time out of their you know, week every week for, you know, six to eight weeks to sit there and sit down, play some flesh and blood and really, you know, build an established relationship with another person, you know, through a microphone or through, you know, in person, if it's local or something like that is always kind of huge.
0: Nice. If people want to check out uh, your league or you, how can they reach you?
2: So, I, I always say the easiest way is to reach out to me via Twitter. Um, it's at Smithel Gaming on Twitter. Uh, there is a link to the Discord there. Uh, certainly feel free to join. Discord, I will almost always answer as quickly as I absolutely can. Uh, but, you know, just, just find me on Twitter. Uh, you know, shoot me a message, shoot me a DM, or just comment on any of the weird posts I post. Uh, and certainly, I will, I will always try to interact and make sure that I am getting back to folks. Uh, but yeah, just uh, you know, I would, I would encourage you, even if this season has already started and it's too late to join, uh, if you just you know have comment related questions or, or want to poke in and just see what it's about, you know, come to the Discord, check it out. You know, if it's something that interests you, feel free to join up next season. Uh, you know, we, we'd absolutely love to have you.
1: All right. Thank you so much once again. And for the IP2 podcast, you can find Shay and I on YouTube at IP2 podcast on Twitter at IP2 podcast on Mastodon IP2 podcast at wraith.social. Thank you.
0: Is it, is it still Twitter at this point, or do we call it X? Look,
1: I'm never going to call it X. <laughs> that
0: that I don't know. <laughs> it, it, it's so stupid. <laughs> as soon like, as...
2: <laughs> even when you're on it, like, you'll still, like, type something. I'll be like, Hit it still says tweet. Twitter. And I'm like, how is it not Twitter, but I'm still sending a tweet. <laughs> like...